This is the Leaside Lives podcast and Niamh McCarthy is my guest on this edition. Niamh is an Irish Paralympic discus thrower from Carrigaline and she is a European champion, record holder, world and summer Paralympic medalist. So you're very welcome along Niamh, thanks for your time this afternoon. How have the last few months been for you and like have you been able to resume training now as normal? Yeah, it's been um, up and down, really, I suppose, because it's it's been a long time. So there's been lots of changes trying to adapt and everything. But thankfully, just the last few weeks now, I've been back kind of proper training. So I've been throwing since the end of June and I'm back in the gym three weeks now. I mean, that's kind of the heaviest work I usually do. Obviously, there's a lot of weighted things. And yeah, I haven't lifted a heavy weight in nearly four months. So just trying to get back into that so I'm kind of yeah feeling the effects of it but uh, I'll get used to it eventually. You should have been going to Japan this year shouldn't you for the Paralympic Games? Uh, I was due to compete I think on the 2nd of September so realistically I would have been leaving on a plane uh, if selected of course uh, in the next couple of weeks so yeah that's I mean that's a big change to the year of course and it's not just you know a short little deferral it's an entire year extra so it's a bit weird, but I'm personally kind of thankful just for the extra time to prepare, I suppose, because I think I early this year I was a bit just anxious uh, about kind of my potential this year, really, because I just I had a bit of a tough time last year with a few different things. So, I, yeah, I'm grateful to try and kind of get back on track really this year to, to be in better form for next year. Okay, you're you're taking the positive so from a very strange situation. Yes, well, I think that's the better thing to do, really. Uh, I mean, you know, other athletes and people might be angry at it, you know, for out of time and everything. But for, personally, for myself, just taking things a bit slower for a few months has been very good for me, and yeah, it's just given me a bit more time to to prepare, really. So it's it's for the best, I think. You've you've become one of the best in the world in your event, the discus. Do you remember how you discovered the sport and when you realised that you were pretty good at it? Yeah, it, it was a very uh, random way of getting into the sport, I suppose. I was not sporty growing up at all. Uh, I dabbled in a few different things over the years, but um, I actually lived in Ireland until I was eight. Uh, and then I lived in England for a year and then I was in France for about six and a half. So I travelled around a lot, so I never really stuck with anything. So it, sport wasn't part of my life, but... I think it was when I was about 18, um, I I just got my driving license and as anyone else, when they get their driving license, they want to drive everywhere. Um, and my mother just wanted me to drop off a letter to do with the lister in town uh, called Frank Hannon. And I went in and met Mr. Hannon, uh, who I'd never met before. And he asked me when I met him, he's like, oh, you know, what condition have you got? Um, which I was pretty offended by, I suppose, uh, initially, because I mean, although it's fairly obvious that I'm a bit smaller than normal, I still, you know, saying it out loud like that was a, a bit of a shock. But yeah. I found out after anyway that she has a son who is involved in disability sport, um, you know, which is fine. But he was speaking to my mother, being like, oh, do you reckon she'd be interested in, you know, partaking? And the answer was pretty much no. <laughs> I mean, I went along to one of the Rebel Wheelers training sessions just to see what it was like. But I had no interest, but they told us that there was a, a Paralympics Ireland talent ID day uh, in October 2012. So after the Summer Games that year. Um, and, you know, they asked me to go along and I just, it's a day out, uh, so I might as well. And you now I went along, basically, tried a few different sports. I mean, 
I didn't really know what the Paralympics was. I'd never watched it. I didn't think I qualified or anything like that, but tried a few sports, met a few athletes that you know had all these medals and everything, and I thought that was great, and just didn't think anything more. But a few weeks later, they emailed me basically and wanted me to do further testing and classification, which a month later I went along, um, and then they just told me, yeah, you're on the developmental panel now, you know, join a, join a gym, buy some discs, and kind of get training. So it was a bit of a whirlwind uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> But um, that's that's how I got her into it originally. And you've thrived since then, undoubtedly. And a lot of medals for you, Niamh. Like you've won medals at major championships. Berlin, Doha, Dubai, London, Rio. As you were saying, you were already well-travelled in your life anyway. But what do you rank as the highlight so far for you? Um, I think it kind of has to be Rio. Um, I suppose that was my first Paralympics. You know, I you know, really didn't know what I was in for. I mean, I... I think that was only my third year of international competition. So it was good because I went in with very little expectation because, you know, I was a, a newcomer really. Um, but just, you know, the atmosphere of the village and everything, like it's not something you can prepare for because it's just, it's just immense. Um, but I mean, it was a very good game to me. I mean, the competition itself was tough because I went in and I was ranked third in the world at the start of the competition, uh, just based on previous uh, performances. But during the competition, I was only ranked fifth until something like the fourth row. So I wasn't in line for a medal at all. But thankfully, uh, I kind of dug deep uh, and was able to pull out a throw that put me in second place uh, and kept me there. So, you know, it was, a, it was a massive achievement in my eyes because I'd always had my eyes on the silver anyway because I was very close to the girl in second. So just to be able to, with the pressure and, you know, the thousands and thousands of people watching it, to be able to pull it out the bag uh, and get the silver was, you know, it was, a, it was a big day for me. Yes, absolutely. Amazing memories. Talk to me a bit more about your training routine, Sony, of, we'll say, a standard week for you. Yeah, so a standard week. So I do also work part-time, so that uh, <laughs> plays into my training. So I work three days a week, Monday to Wednesday. So Usually uh, Monday straight after work, I would head to the gym and down in the Maradike with a coach in there called Jeff Gomez. So that's my kind of heavy gym session of the week. And that's about an hour or so. Uh, and then I would do another gym session then after work on a Wednesday. Uh, and sometimes in winter, there's even a third gym session, uh, but that can change. And then I have about two or three throw sessions as well. Again, kind of depending on the time of year. So my new current coaching setup is via Zoom with the Paralympics Ireland throws coach. So she's based in UK. So obviously I'm not with, you know, I can't be with her. So we're, we do that over Zoom. So that's the, the you know, the core sessions, I suppose. Uh, and I've also started doing Pilates once a week. And then I would have physio once a week as well, which she loves to give me lots of homework to do, um, which, you know, that can kind of happen a few times a week. So yeah, you're talking kind of five or six core sessions just with the, the added kind of, you know, prehab, rehab type. Do you think the variety keeps you going then? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I kind of, the, the throwing side of things can be quite intense because it's a solo sport. And especially because my coach isn't even in the country, you know, it's just me. Um, so that can be quite, there's a lot of pressure there. And, you know, like if you're training in a group or whatever, you know, all eyes aren't necessarily on you at all the time, but it's different for me because they are. Um, so, you know, you don't get breaks or anything, but no, I do like it. And, and even in the gym, like I like going in and having a coach there and having other athletes around you, you know, that's, that's really nice too. 
You mentioned you're working part-time as well as being uh, an elite level athlete. What is it you work at? Uh, so I work uh, with Dell out in ovens. Yeah, like because I was kind of older getting into sport, I suppose I already, I was already working, you know, I wasn't young getting into this. So work was always a part of my life. And in the beginnings, I had a different job and then I had another one. But uh, the year of Rio, I wasn't doing any work because there just wasn't time. But I ended up doing uh, a little kind of speech Q&A type thing in Dell one, one day because one of the Rebel Wheeler athlete dads worked there. So he brought me along with another Paralympic athlete and pretty much they were asking me if you know, I worked or not. And I said no. And they were like, you know, do you want to? Mm. I was like, yeah, sure, look, we'll have a discussion. Um, but it's been really good for me, I think, because some athletes, you know, they might be going to college or whatever, but I abandoned my college degree. About, I think I was about 20. I just didn't have the time for it. But with work, it's, it's really nice to just have something else to work on other than sport. You know, it kind of puts me in a good routine as well, because I think if I didn't have a job, I wouldn't be training until the evening, you know, I'd just be very lazy. So it's nice to have something else to kind of have to do uh, and just get that routine really structured. And they're very good to me with my time off and everything, which as an athlete can be incredibly difficult to find, but they've supported me, you know, all the way so far. It sounds like you have a good work-life balance or work-training balance even. Oh, perfect. I mean, we only work, I only do the part-time because... I mean, I, there's just not enough hours in the day to be doing a full-time job along with the training. I tried it for a short time and uh, it did not work. But no, the part-time is really good because, uh, you know, come Wednesday afternoon, I can just focus on training then for the, the rest of the week. So is Japan your main target now, Niamh? It is. I mean, obviously that's, that's been put back a bit. So, I mean, I am at the moment just trying to get back to where I was really because, I mean, I was out of the gym for nearly four months so I'm trying to get back to kind of that level of strength I was at before. Uh, and with throws as well, I didn't throw a disc properly for a number of months. So I'm trying to get back to, yeah, just the same level I used to be at before. And then, you know, look at building on that for, for Tokyo next year. But I, I usually don't plan kind of too far in advance, you know, a year at a time max. That's the norm for athletes. You know, there's always that one goal. And obviously it's been moved this year, but I'm still just focusing on this year. I read somewhere as well that you're big into skydiving. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, I was a bit older getting into the sport uh, and I was going to UCC at the time. And when I joined college, I, I'd heard from a lot of people that, you know, obviously your degrees, you know, massive, but joining clubs and societies and that type of thing was also, you know, a big part of it. So when I started uh, UCC, I was only 17, but I joined the trampolining club. Uh, and also the skydiving club because I'd always wanted to do a jump uh, and my dear father paid for it for my 18th birthday um, and I did my jump but I, I ended up doing a solo for my first jump because well, it was just an, it was actually cheaper at the time um, so that's what I did but yeah I did one on I think it was November at some oh, I don't know what year at this point 2011 it would have been November 2011 and uh, I did a second one the same day and you now that was kind of me hooked then. Um, and I, I've done, I think, over about 100 solo jumps at this point now. It has taken a backseat the last few years. So I do not jump as much as I used to kind of pre-sport. Um, I would only kind of consider it after the end of a season if I have a big gap, you know, until the kind of next year starts rolling. So it is something that I, I go back to sometimes. But um, no, it's it's still something that I, I'd like to be involved in. And especially, you know, whenever I do finish sports, I think I'll go back back there with a bang. <laughs> 
Well, that sounds amazing. Uh, you certainly love a challenge showing lots of adventure because that's uh, skydiving. It's not for the faint-hearted, to say the least. No, it's not. But I think it's <laughs> it's, it's character building, if you wish. Um, and you know, like uh, there's certain things in life that you know you you hate doing, but you know making a stupid phone call to something or you know doing anything you kind of you know that might scare you a bit. But yeah. after I started skydiving, just there was very little that kind of gave me any type of fear after that. Exactly. Uh, you know, like going to to Rio, you know, like Rio was intense but i was like sure jesus you've done skydives at this point like this isn't that big you know you'll get through this as well so <laughs> yes very good well that's a good outlook to have very fair point are you good at dealing with setbacks so if you have an injury now or something how do you deal with it what's your psychology like yeah because i mean i've i don't know how many years i'm at this now seven or eight years maybe and you know, there's, there's been good years and bad years. Like I had a year, I think it was 2017, that was like my injury year. Um, so that was really difficult because, you know, obviously with injury, it's, it's you kind of just need time to get over the, that type of thing. So that was a tough year, just trying to manage that. But I mean, I have a very good, you know, physio and support team to kind of help me through things. But um, I mean, last year then as well was another tough year, but it wasn't an injury year. It was just a kind of, it was a mental year in terms of just my headspace, I suppose. There was a lot of kind of changes with my coaching and whatnot. Um, And I wasn't seeing the kind of performances I was hoping for. So like that was probably, that has been my hardest year so far. Um, And that is another thing that just kind of needs time really to kind of get over. Um, And I'm certainly, I'm better than where I was, but I'm still trying to work on just getting back to where I was with my kind of mental strength because with discus and with elite level competition, you know, it's not just your, your technique, you know, and your strength, but it's also your mindset, uh, you know, and how you approach things. So that's kind of something that I, I'm just trying to, yeah, just get back to where I was because uh, I think I just kind of lost it a bit because there was just, just a lot going on now this year. I mean, it's helped in some ways and it's made it worse than others because I, I really enjoyed lockdown in terms of my life got a lot quieter. I wasn't rushing from here to there to everywhere. You know, that was nice. But then at the same time, you know, social interaction for everybody has decreased. Yes. And, you know, some people have probably enjoyed that, but there is, it, it's too much of a good thing sometimes. So right now I'm enjoying actually kind of getting back and, you know, meeting with my coach in person, you know, and like going out and, you know, just doing not, you know, meeting loads of people, but just getting out a bit more. Um, because yeah, I think I've been a bit of a hermit. Um, so it's it's good to kind of be able to get back to training proper and really kind of have something kind of real to focus on instead of, you know, wondering what's gonna happen. It's been really challenging. So despite I suppose the intense training routine, the intense pressure and expectation that goes with becoming an elite level athlete if someone if a young person came to you know a teenager say that was thinking of really devoting themselves to a sport Neve, would you point them towards doing so or would you put them against it what, what would you think really it depends what you want out of life you know i mean if that's what's if, you know if there is someone out there who you know has a dream or a goal in mind if you believe that you can achieve it, like that's going to get you very far. I've always kind of said to myself, like the only kind of limits that exist in like what you're capable of is, is your own mindset about it. If you 
think of something as an unachievable goal, then chances are it, it is unachievable. But if you kind of open your mind and not put those, you know, limitations on what you can do, I think that it, it can really change things. Mm. Uh, you know, so yeah, if there's something that you want, you just have to, to go for it and don't think of it as a, you know, pipe dream. Think of it as a, a realistic goal. I think you've dabbled in media work already. Do you think that's a future career for you working as a, a commentator or a pundit? Yeah, I, to be honest, I, that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot during lockdown because, you know, with, you know, Tokyo is, you know, most likely to go ahead next year. Um, I mean, you know, retirement is something that's kind of in the back of my mind. I mean, I used really? to think I'd go into like Paris 2024 or something like that. But just with the unknowns and just the way things can change so quickly, you know, I'm just I kind of trying to plan for, you know, what I'll do after. Um, and I, yeah, I'm still trying to work it out. I mean, I, I have loads of different ideas of, of what I might want to do, but I suppose the thing around that is some of them require, you know, maybe a bit of study time and whatnot. And it's trying to work out, you know, can I fit this in now while I'm doing sports and working? Do I wait until I finish sports to work on it? I, I don't have any idea right now. And yeah, I was only on to my sports psychologist this morning saying like I'm panicking like I don't know what I want to do and he's like you know it's it's in the future like you know there is time to plan so much is in shore right now so you know calm down so I don't know like I've, I've done a bit of media stuff just for fun and entertainment really uh before for certain competitions where I had a bit of time to kill and yeah it's something I enjoy but I'm kind of open to ideas at this point yeah. still yeah. Fair enough. No, you strike me as, you know, having a natural talent for it. And I guess you've been there and done it. So it's like a natural progression to to go on to, to be a, a pundit or a coach for a lot of athletes. So that might be something you think about doing. But um, I know in the past you've been, you've been critical of the lack of coverage that the Paralympic Games has gotten, uh, and rightly so as well over the past number of years. But you took matters into your own hands at one of the one of the championships, didn't you? I think you were broadcasting on your social media. Was that right? Yeah, that was um, the Europeans in 2018. Um, I think, yeah, I went into there. Um, I, well, I knew I was on the last day and like everybody else was finished like multiple days before me. So I knew I already had a lot of time to kill uh, and I had no plans of doing any broadcasting type thing. But I, the able-bodied athletics had already been on there and, you know, you, there was so much you were hearing from there and you were getting pictures and all of this. And when we flew out, I mean, it wasn't even mentioned, you know, like, what the timetable was or who was there. And I was just like, this, is, this isn't right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just not fair. So I thought, fine, if, you, if, you know, if nobody else is going to you know, do some coverage, then uh, I'll do it myself. Because as I said, I had a lot of time to kill before my competition anyway. And the, you know, the athletes that represent Ireland in the Paralympics, not just athletics, but the other teams, you know, they're amazing people with their own stories to tell. And, you know, I just felt it, they deserved just a bit more recognition and just for people to just know what was happening because, you know, certain, say like myself, you know, a lot of people in Cork might have heard about me, but obviously other counties, they might not. So with my own following, you know, I, they were able to discover other athletes from different areas of the country that they might not have heard of before. So, you know, that was really good. And yeah, like, I mean, I didn't do it to kind of get a reaction from you know any of the media things but it's, it's come up a lot since then um so i think they they might have listened a little bit um just just to pay attention because the, the thing i always say is 
you know, your Olympians, they're kind of, they're viewed as superhuman people with, you know, they're just, you can't imagine, you know, what they're like and, you know, what they do. And with Paralympians, I mean, we all do the exact same thing, maybe slightly differently, but I think what the media kind of misses is, I think there's a connection that normal people can form between the Paralympians because we are, you know, imperfect. And I think that's a lot more relatable just, you know, for just normal folk <laughs> who aren't in elite sports. So I think that's just a connection that that's just a bit missed sometimes and isn't taken advantage of. So that's why I've just, you know, at, at times when I could, you know, do my bit to, to just try and get the kind of the message out there that the Paralympics is something that's really important, um, you know, and should be, you know, viewed, admired and respected. That's very interesting and a nice way of putting it. I want to ask you about the sports psychology because interestingly enough, I had a sports psychologist on the previous episode. What has your experience been like with sports psychology? Have you noticed the benefits in your in your training, your career? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think it is a very overlooked aspect of sport. Um, you know, I just, I know some athletes who just, you know, they just work away themselves and they're perfectly happy with that and, you know, fair play to them. But I think there's always something that you can learn or maybe something that you just don't see yourself doing. And, you know, the likes of sports psychologists, you know, they can see and read these types of things. So I think it's highly important. I mean, yeah, my, my guy, Stephen MacGyver is his name. Um, he's been working with Paralympics Ireland for a number of years. And yeah, like, I mean, he's nearly on speed dial at this point. But, just really important because with elite sport, the pressure is just so intense and it's not always pressure coming from, you know, within the sport itself. Sometimes it's just the pressure you put on, you know, with your own expectations. And yeah, there's times where you just need to have someone to be like, no, you know, you're grand, you know, just take it handy. You know, you don't need to be doing this to yourself. So, you know, I, I think it's so important. I actually did like a minor sports psychology kind of course, I'll call it. It was only a few weeks, um, but I did it just for myself because I was like, you know, it's just if I can get a few extra percent by changing the way I look at things, you know, if I can just throw that a little bit further, purely the way, I, you know, my mindset's working, then, you know, it's worth doing. So, no, it's I think it should be pushed a lot more. I think they should be viewed as, you know, core members of staff, you know, when you're going away on camps or competitions. You know, I don't think it's it's an optional thing, really. Mm-hmm marginal gains and it's an area i'm fascinated in as well psychology and indeed sports psychology what motivates you most would you say oh gosh see to be honest i think that's kind of changed throughout my sporting career at at first when i when i got into the sport you know obviously i knew nothing about anything really to do with paralympic sport but i've always been incredibly competitive like anything you know if you dare me to do anything I will try and win um so I think for the first few years when I was just you know unknown I suppose I was just trying to push myself to see how good I could get like as I said I, I didn't put any limits on myself I really was just like you know because sometimes you have to put in like yearly goals or whatever I would just come up with a number put it down but it would mean nothing to me I would just push myself as hard as I can to see what would happen um I suppose now but I'm in a you know, few years and I have a few medals under my belt. It's just trying to get that bit further. Um, it's, it, I think motivation can be harder the longer you're in the sport because, you know, you've been through the ups and downs and you kind of know more about, you know, what could happen and what, what might not happen. 
So right now, to be honest, yeah, like the motivation is just, well, certainly during lockdown, actually, the training solo in my own house, you know, not leaving, like that was very intense. But I used it as an opportunity to just try and stay, you know, fit and healthy. Yes. Snacking was way too easy during lockdown. The fridge was never far away. But, um, you know, I was just using it just to stay fit and healthy. And I still am to some extent. But also just now that I'm back properly, you know, there's a concrete goal in mind, uh, you know, so it's just looking forward to just, just trying to, you know, be as best as you possibly can be. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully uh, Tokyo will, will roll around next year and I can see what result that gives me. Yes, fingers crossed. Are there any books, podcasts, series that you've enjoyed over lockdown that you'd recommend? Oh gosh, I'm not sharing you. <laughs> the books I've been reading, they've been absolute trash, but it's just been a distraction for me. Um, <laughs> in terms of podcasts, there's one I actually haven't listened to in a while, but it's one I need to go back on. I'm just trying to remember the name of it. He's, a, he's the guy of uh, Operation Transformation, something Henry. Yes, Carol Henry, I've listened to that. That's the one. Yes. Oh, I couldn't see that's how long it's been. I did his podcast. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I listened to that a lot previous years, and it's always given me just a massive boost and just really motivated me. And yeah, I'm glad you raised it because that's probably a thing I need to listen to right now uh, to give me that extra shove. But yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd say that one. That one's been. It's it's not just you know for athletes. It's just for everybody. Like. You know, all of the, you know, the suggestions and advice and the people he speaks to, it's very interesting. And it just kind of makes you rethink, you know, something. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, it's a really good podcast. I've, I've, I've listened to that one. One other question I like to ask guests as it is a Cork based podcast. What is it you love most about Leaside, would you say? Because <laughs> as I said, I've, I've lived many places, um, but Cork is technically where I've spent no, most of my years, I think it's just the people. I mean, a place can be beautiful, but with nobody in it, it kind of doesn't have that. But in Cork, I just, everybody is just so friendly um, and just, you know, welcoming. I mean, I love, you know, when it say I drive down the road and you're just waving to randomers on the road and they wave back. You know, like I've, I've lived many places and that's not something that always happens, you know, just silly things like that just kind of make you smile and uh, you know that's i think that's my main thing listen to you thanks a million and best of luck with the training and uh, keep throwing well thank you very much yeah, thank you for having me jordan